Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's such a, pri- a privilege and an honor to, to be before you this uh, morning, uh, but more to be with you and, uh, and Matt. Um, I first met uh, Pastor Matt, uh, who everybody calls Matt. I still find it hard to just call you Matt. Uh, I first met Matt in 2009. I was finishing my my Masters of Divinity, and uh, we had gone through two years of excruciating academic studies. And then we have this lecturer that enters a classroom, and uh, he doesn't really have notes, uh, as in he's the kind that doesn't give notes. But when he begins to teach you, he is the kind you make as many knots as possible because uh, you begin to realize that he is not just teaching you the theories as other lecturers have. He is actually giving you the practicals of what you're going to be doing. And he was teaching us a course in church planting. And then he taught us another course in church leadership. And all those were very good. And I remember that usually every after a lecture, I would follow him, uh, follow behind him and say, now Matt, thank you, you've been teaching an American class. I come from Uganda, so let's try to translate this into how it would turn into our context, my context in Uganda. And he was very gracious, would give me all the time needed, and we would just talk and discuss. Uh, And so 2010, I graduated, and I was so excited. I had uh, all the tools to plant a church and then grow the church. But then when I came to Uganda... Uh, I did not plant a church. I was given to take over an ailing church. <laughs> and, and, and so, uh, good enough, my wife was still that side, and so I accepted to take on the church, but I left the church here for a year, and I went back to, to be with my wife so that she finishes. By the way, I have a very beautiful wife. She's sitting right here. Uh, and, uh, and you know how the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God, right? So I married faith. I have faith. Praise the Lord. Uh, and so when I went back for that year, I realized I was equipped to plant a church, but I did not know how to re-engineer and re- redo a church that was falling apart. So I called him again and I said, Matt, you taught us so well how to plant but now I need tools on how to re-engineer a church. And he was, again, very gracious. And we kept, we kept having several conversations that culminated into me spending like two weeks just overshadowing him. Uh, Matt leads one of the, if not really, the fastest growing church in Vancouver, Washington. Uh, his church has planted uh, over 350 churches in the U.S., uh, and, and he's really a father and a mentor to many leaders and many church planters. It's such a privilege to be with you here, Matt. Thank you so much. I'm grateful to be here. Truly, I am. 
now uh, when we, we when we ha when I have someone like you here I believe one of the things that the people here would like to hear from you is what your leadership journey has been like what has what uh, what has been your leadership journey well first of all I would like to say uh, my gratitude for being here and uh, you know, you never come to a place like this without an opportunity to learn, and this already has been a learning experience for me. It, and I'm going to stop and just do just one bit of exhortation, and I have no right to do it. I'm just a guest, and I understand that. But if you're not writing down what you will do as a result of what you are learning, then you are wasting the opportunity. Because when all is said and done, way too much is said and not enough is done. Mm. And so if you, uh, if you look, I, I have my notes already just from, from listening to Pastor Moses and the others of the things that I will do when I get back. And if you don't have your action items, then you're going to be wasting your time. And so may I just please, even though I'm just a... Stranger in a strange land, <laughs> can I please exhort you, make your list of what you will do. Uh, my background, uh, my leadership journey is not a traditional one. I was not born in the church. I had nothing to do with the church. Uh, we never, ever attended church. The only thing I knew about church was the only thing the church wants is your money. I don't know how we knew that because we never went there. I was not raised in a great environment. I was raised in an abusive home, and so from that acted out a lot of my damage and pain. I've been arrested for grand theft auto several times, so I'm not exactly a model, if you understand. Uh, but even in that, I chose to do bad things. And uh, as, as Pastor Moses has explained to us, leadership is influence. And I influenced a lot of people to do bad things because I already was by nature a leader. And what I needed was some force to begin to help me see that I might lead in more positive ways. Uh, I won't give you all the story. I will say to you, though, opportunities arose for me. Um, I met a girl. I shared this with uh, the staff here just this last week. I met a girl. She said she was a Christian. I said, what? Me too. <laughs> It was an astounding conversion for me. <laughs> she said, oh, great. Well, as we spend time, do you want to go to your church or to my church? Since my church did not exist, I said, let's go to your church. <laughs> People in that church, it was a church like this church, but totally different. It was exactly like this church, except for completely different. The thing that was exactly the same was that they loved me unreasonably. An unreasonable love always opens the heart of people. And so I said, what is going on? And as I listened to them, I heard the good news of Jesus Christ. I came to, came to faith in Jesus. It changed my life. Everything changed. I got the girl. It was a perfect story. <laughs> so just a wonderful thing. And from that, my life began to change and be transformed. I'm actually going back. Uh, to uh, the place that I spent a big chunk of my life here in October uh, just so I can be with people. The last time I was with that, folks, pe people arrived to say, 
we keep hearing about you and we can't believe it's you. I remember one dear lady walked up to me, looked at me and said, it's true, isn't it? And I said, yeah, it's true. And she said, I just had to come and see for myself. So I believe that our life ought to be such a demonstration that God has been at work that people can't believe it. You see? In other words, why should we have a life that is explainable on simply human terms? We ought to have a life in which people say, I cannot figure out how a schmo like you, schmo is a Yiddish word. Can you translate that into, yeah, schmo. I can't believe how a yutz like you, how a hockey puck like you, how a... They, they all sound like really bad words. They are exactly that. Without me saying any of the bad words I grew up with, I'm trying to say that. How did you end up achieving that? I just think we ought to have a life that is not explainable in human terms. But in order to lead, you've got to have people to become models. I had great models of negative things. I got a job at Disneyland. You've heard of Disneyland? I drove the monorail at Disneyland. Everybody Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Disneyland All-Wake Monorail. This is the pilot speaking to you from the control center. During our journey, we ask that you keep your hands and arms inside the compartment at all times and no smoking, please. You're riding aboard the Mark III in advance. I've got 13 more minutes. Do you believe me? Yeah? But you know what? When I, when I went to work at Disneyland, I saw that there were people that were doing things that I had not done. I saw a system that was operating that uh, achieved things with people. Thousands of new people hired every summer, and yet they were able to operate and do amazing things. And so I thought, I need to start studying what's going on. And from that, I realized those are the models that I want to begin to follow, even though I'm hoping to do something great for God. And so God gave me models, and then God gave me mentors. And you need both of those in your life, don't you? Models are people that don't even know that you're following them. It looks kind of creepy, yeah? But mentors are those who are willing to say, yes, I'll spend time with you. And I began seeking out mentors while I began making a list of models, people that I wanted to influence my life. So it's more than you wanted to hear. Wow. Hmm. Now, uh, I am actually one of the people that you hmm. are mentoring and you've yeah. mentored for so many years. Yeah. And thank you so much. Now, talking about influence, you have helped uh, plant over 350 churches. Yeah. I know also that uh, out of some of those church plants, you, you, you've been part and parcel of developing a whole church planting network for North, mm -hmm. that called Northwest Church Planters for uh, now, I think, covering the entire West Coast yeah. of the West US. Yeah, West Coast is plenty, yeah. Now, my question, though, is how do you do that, keep multiplying the influence, and yet also keep leading a large congregation like yeah. you are leading? Yeah. Uh, early on, I realized how uh, limited I was. But I still wanted to use God, wanted God to use my life in a great way. And I shared this with one of the small groups I was meeting with yesterday, but I just think it's so important to understand I cannot out Jesus, Jesus. Right? I can't do better than Jesus did. 
but I still want him to want his model to be functioning in my life. And so I realized the Bible was not just my message book about the good news that's available through the, the work of Jesus Christ, but it was my method book. And so my question was, okay, Lord, how did you do it? And that's where I began to see how he did it. And as a result, I've developed sort of a, a mantra for me. I focus on the few in order to minister to the many. Jesus did not minister to every person he went by. There are thousands of people that he walked by, and some of them, yes, he stopped and healed. But he focused on the few in order to minister to the many. And so I, I realized, wait a minute, Jesus had his few. He had Peter, James, John. He had a dozen guys, and he poured his life into them. And so I realized, wait a minute, I'm not, I can't out-Jesus Jesus. I can't have my 25 when Jesus has his 12. I can't have my 200. Jesus had his 12. It's not that you don't care for the many. It's that you have to understand you can only minister to the few. I so appreciate Pastor Moses talking about, you know, energy management. I'm at the energy management phase of life. Yeah. So it becomes more important that I pour myself into a few if I'm ever going to have an influence on the many. And so I always have had my few. And God in his kindness has allowed those few to move forward and to achieve things that I could never hope to achieve. But as they have moved forward, then God has provided another one or two, and I have always made it my business to focus on the few in order to minister to the many. It's not because I don't care about the many, but I'm not competent to address the needs of thousands of people. So I believe God can, through me, touch a few who will touch a few more, and I focus there. Yeah? Uh, could you give us some example of how that has worked? Uh, yeah. Okay, the example of church planting, of course, is a simple one, but we, you know, we believe in church multiplication uh, because, uh, as Pastor Moses was saying, addition is great, multiplication is greater. And when you can multiply, you can have so much, uh, so, so much greater reach. And so I've had the opportunity to coach and mentor. Oh, thank you. That was a message. You're done. <laughs> I've had an opportunity to coach and mentor many uh, church planters, but they have in turn stepped ahead and done so much more. In my setting, uh, my wife and I, we began just by inviting church planters to our home because we love the idea of church planting. And uh, before long, those couple of church planters became many more, or quite a few more. We couldn't fit them in our home. For hopefully, graciously, I'd lead a church. So we brought them into a church. And before long, we started incubating church planters in the church. And we had lots more of them. They started planting churches. But the problem was, you're focusing on those churches. And yet, new church planters are coming in. So I said to a church planter, listen, you're a church planter. Will you help this guy who wants to plant? And before long, we had guys who were church planters who had helped church planters who were helping guys who wanted to plant. And after a while, we had guys who had planted, who had helped guys to plant, who were helping guys to plant, who were talking to guys who wanted to plant. And so after a while, there was so much going on, I went to the elders of my church and I said, I'm really at a decision point. I need your help. I either need to quit this and you need to find someone to lead the church, or you need to allow me to hire somebody to lead all the church planting process because there's too much going on. 
And they said, we won't let you quit. So I said, well, then I get to hire. But it was so easy to hire somebody because I had an array of guys who were planters who had helped others to plant, who had helped others to plant, who were training others to plant. And so those guys have gone on and done all sorts of things. Now the West Coast Church Planting, we call it, is a network that has planted hundreds of congregations. I never could have done that myself. But by focusing on the few, it has allowed me to minister to way more people than I ever even will know. But I get to heaven, get to meet all those people, and I have a little bit of that action. And that's very exciting for me. Wow. 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 Now, I know that leadership takes courage and boldness. Mm. Multiplying uh, influence Mm. must certainly also come at its own cost. Uh, What are some of the tensions that you have had to manage or to live with uh, because you are multiplying that influence? So many. Here's something I try to teach my guys. The reward for ministry, well done, is more ministry to do. Do you know that truth? Right? If you minister faithfully, you will have more to do. And here's the interesting thing. In the Bible, that's called a blessing. But if you end up with more and more ministry to do, it feels like a curse. Isn't that true? If you are faithful in ministry, the reward for ministry is more ministry to do. And that sounds like a curse. Unless you are constantly developing leaders. If you're not multiplying leaders, you're going to feel overwhelmed, exhausted, and miserable. And it is possible to, through the multiplication of leaders, not be overloaded, not be overstressed, not not be constantly exhausted and miserable. It's possible to multiply ministry, but only if you multiply leaders will you enjoy the multiplication of ministry. The second thing I think I would say real quickly is I have learned to prioritize my family and trust that God will honor that. I'm the only person that can be a dad to my kids even though my kids are adults now, I do more parenting as, as they are adults than I did when they were children. And so I'm going to be, keep that central. I'm the only person that can be a husband to my wife. Anybody else who thinks they can? I live in America. I own a gun. I will use it. Yeah? I mean, that's just the way it is. So I prioritize. No matter how how much stuff is going on, my family is still going to be a priority because when you deal with lots and lots of people, you can have people say, oh, I love you. Listen, you don't know me. I'll say something else. You can hate me. Look, you don't hate me. You still don't know me. But my family needs to know me, and I want them to love me. So I keep that as a central priority. Wow. Wow. Now, um, we have in the room people from various spaces of leadership. Uh, Many of the people sitting here come from the church space Mm. and they are leading in church. Uh, But there are also many who are leading in business. 
There are also many who are leading in politics and governance. Uh, what are the three, three, just three top advices that you would give to the person uh, yeah. Yeah. leading in any of those spaces? Okay, here's number one. Doesn't matter if you're in government, in business, or in church. Show me your Peter, James, and John. Show me who your disciples are. Who are the people that you are developing? You show me who you're developing, and I will show you where you're going. So you show me. I say to young people, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. You know, that's not just true for young people. That's true for everybody. So who are you developing? Because if you're not developing people as leaders, then listen, they, can, they are not going to be able to carry your business, your governmental enterprise, or your church any further. Here's the deal. You've got to be growing if you want them to be growing. And Pastor Moses expressed that so, so powerfully. See, you're a ceiling, and they bump up against you as a ceiling. So if you're rising, they can rise. If you're not growing, they can't grow. But if you do not have, right now, in your enterprise, clear knowledge of who your Peter, James, and John are, you're in trouble. Because see, what we want to do is treat everybody equally. In the US, we're all about justice and fairness and equality. And I learned from Jesus, no, listen, that's great. But what's more important is to be faithful to people in terms of their gifting and capacities. And you must identify the people that are your Peter, James, and John who are going to achieve a great deal. And they will not look like they're the very best in the room. I so appreciate the example of the discontented, the difficult, the difficult people, those in debt, those disgruntled, because frequently the people that will achieve the most for you at first glance will look like the most difficult ones. If you looked at Peter, James, and John, they're always fighting one another. But the reason why they're fighting is because they wanted to have influence, and if you have people who want to have influence, you in fact have leaders in your hand. And the question is, are you developing them? Okay, second thing. What's the second thing? The second thing I would say is identify and train your replacement now. You have a very short shelf life. The Bible, the Bible says that our, that our life is, is like a whisper. The Bible says that our life is like grass. It's grass, it's here today, and it's just burnt up. The Bible says that our life is like a breath. And listen, if you are not identifying and training your replacement, you're in trouble. And you say, oh no, no one can replace me. You're in even bigger trouble. Because I promise you, the day is coming when they will be looking for your replacement. God has decided that you are expendable. So prepare now. Identify and train your replacement. Okay, here's the third thing. And then I'll shut up. Okay, I'll promise the fourth thing. <laughs> but we won't do that till tomorrow. I'm trying to come here and listen and say, what can I say that would be helpful? Because you have such... I mean, boy, just listen to this group that was on stage. I mean, so, such, such, this is a rich environment, yeah. So I'm going to say something, and I want you to hear me, and maybe I'm wrong. And you have to forgive me, but sometimes the guy from outside can come and see some things. But I see, when I talk to people, 
that there is a tendency perhaps to be grandiose, to, to, be, to be too quickly, too expansive. That, oh, I have a ministry here in Kampala, but I want to have a ministry across Uganda, and I don't want just in Uganda, I want East Africa and not East Africa. I want Africa and not Africa. I'm really hoping for the world. And I would say, slow down. I want you to have a great vision. That was the very first thing we heard today. If you don't have a great dream, listen, there's trouble. But be careful about trying to be bigger because bigger is not the goal. And I mean this whether you are in government, in business, or in church. Listen to the distinction carefully. You make it better, and they will make it bigger. Do you understand that? If you're in business, don't have your goal to be bigger. Have your goal to be better. And if you make it better, they will make it bigger, and then you will have to figure that process out. And you'll have to pay attention to the seventh, uh, the sixth point that we heard today about systems and how to develop systems and so on. But make it your business to make it better. If you make it better, they'll make it bigger. If you're in the church, don't try to have a bigger church. It's not a worthy goal to have a bigger church. If you have a bigger church and you're doing a poorer job with more people, you're not doing a good thing. If you really get tons of people and do a pathetic job, you're not doing a good thing. Good thing. But listen, people know how to respond and you do it better. And they will make it bigger. And that's why I think it's so important to have your action items written down. What will you do as a result of what you are learning today? So that's the third thing and a dangerous thing, huh? So... Forgive me if I sound judgmental. I don't mean that. I don't mean that at all. Uh, one of the things that I do or I've done over the years here in Transform is train people in building systems that work. And so I really can't let you go without asking you a systems question. Um, and my question there is, because uh, we see if you're going to multiply influence, you have to invest in leaders, invest in other people. Uh, what is one practice that you could give a leader here that would help him build a system around themselves to do exactly that? How about if instead I use that as a, because you guys need to go, when the bladder is full, the mind is shut. Isn't that true? So <laughs> we, I'll just say this. I have an opportunity to share again later on. And as I'm listening here, I think I would like to talk with you about the system that I use for developing leaders. And it's as simple as this. I will develop you as a leader if you will come and bring me cash. Okay? You say, wow, that sounds like a system we've heard of before. <laughs> but I want to tell you that cash is a little acronym and acrostic that I want to explain to you. And I'll say it to you now, but I'll develop it with you later on. A person who comes with cash is a person who can become a great leader. Here it is. The C stands for character. The A stands for attitude. The S stands for skill. And the H stands for habits. And we'll have an opportunity to share together at that point. And I want to talk to you about what it means to develop a person with cash. Does that sound good? Okay. I wow. mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you 
very much for allowing me to be here. Thank you for allowing me to learn from you. Uh, I just, the worship here is so powerful, so wonderful. The musicians are hiding behind these vocalists. I couldn't get over how great your musicians are. I want to steal everybody and take them <laughs> home with me. So it's, this is a great place, and I thank you with all my soul for allowing me to be together with you today. Thank you so much. Well, let's appreciate Pastor Max. Thank you so much for coming to Uganda and sharing with us. May the Lord bless you. Thank you. Amen. Wow, can we clap to Jesus for God? Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.